What is SCC? What does it mean to be part of Southport Church of Christ? So our vision here at Southport is about following Jesus, transforming lives. This is the mission Jesus calls us to, that we're not just a church of six pastors, but we're a church of over 600 ministers. church. Are you good? Are you born? Nihau, konnichiwa, magandamamaga. Good morning, church. What a wonderful worship led by our worship team this morning that reminds us that the blood of Christ purifies us and that he loves us. And the focus is on the cross. And thank you, Rosemary, for reminding us that Jesus did not open his mouth so that he will obediently give his life for us. If you don't know me, my name is Don Sison, and I'm one of the pastors here at South Fort Church of Christ. Is this your first time? Welcome. And church, the Apostle Paul writes to remind the Corinthian church about the gospel he preached and they believed or so he thought. And at the same time, the apostle Paul preaches this gospel to himself as a reminder that his labor is not in vain because of God's grace. That's why the title of the sermon this morning in the gospel is God's message of hope. Church, do you remember when you first believed the gospel? Do you remember? You know, famous uh, hymn writer John Newton, right? As reading the famous hymn called Amazing Grace. In 1772. And I like the second verse. It says, "'Twas grace my thought, my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed." You know, for some of us, may we, we may remember a moment of time it may be an hour we can point to and say, that was it. That was the, when I first believed. That's the time when I realized that apart from Jesus Christ, my life is going nowhere. Without purpose and without meaning. Also at the time I discovered that Jesus loves me, that he died to set me free from sin and that. But for some of us, we may not have the hour nailed down, but we know that an hour exists. We have a testimony. We have a story to say 
that says we first believed. So church, do you remember when you first believed? Do you? So the follow-up question I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, the answer to that question makes all the difference in the world. Here it is. It says, do you still believe what you believed? Or do you believe in vain? Church, before we continue, why don't we ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds so that we can fully understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we are able to apply the gospel truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then we pray. Let's bow our head. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today with an open heart and an open mind. We want to encounter you, Lord Jesus, in a fresh and powerful way. Where we can see and experience breakthrough in our midst today. Lord Jesus, we are willing to submit to your calling upon our lives so that you can continue to transform our hearts and our minds. So we speak to us, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name, amen. So if you have your Bible, would you open to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11, and it will be in the, on the screen, and I'll be reading from the NASB, New American Standard Bible. Here it is, verse 1. Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you also stand, by which you also are saved. If you hold firmly to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I handed down to you as of first importance with what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after He appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not fit to be called an apostles, apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace, toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believe. That's why I want to share with you folks the, the first point is the gospel is where you stand. God's amazing grace. Church, the, these Corinthian believers are in spiritual troubles because they have lost their focus from the essential things of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were fighting over who had been baptized by and how uh, who, who is the greatest among them because they boasting about all these spiritual gifts for their own benefit. 
They were full of divisions. And Paul was reminding them of the gospel he preached to them, in which they must stand, or else they believe in vain. Listen to what Paul, the Apostle Paul says in verse 1 and 2. He says, now I've made known to you, as if they don't know. The gospel I preach to you, he said, which you also received, and now you stand, and by which you also saved. And if there's a conditional clause, if you hold firmly to the word which I preach to you, he says, unless you believe in lie, in vain, that doesn't affect you, affect you on the inside. Just I want you to know that the Apostle Paul doesn't think that this is true to them. But nevertheless, it is here. A possibility in a passing phrase called, unless you believed in vain. Church, this word, unless you believe in vain, it means to believe without careful thought. Or believing for the sake of believing without Due consideration. And that's my friend, is to believe in a haphazard manner and to believe without purpose. Church, there are people who call themselves Christians. They go to church all their life. But when you ask them about who Jesus is to them, the answer is more about head knowledge than the heart knowledge. Church, there's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally. I just encountered a few weeks ago a male and female thought because they go to church every Sunday, they're going to make it to heaven. And these people all their life thinking that he, they're doing the religious activities like going to church, giving their tithes and offerings, and do some extra charity events just to be sure they're going to go to heaven. And then I asked them a question. I said, if you, uh, die, if you die tonight, do you know where you're going? And the person says, I hope in heaven. And I said, let's explore that. Why are you hoping in heaven? And I said, if, you, if Jesus is standing at the gate of heaven and asks you this question, what makes you sure that I'm going uh, to let you enter into my heaven? What would you say to Jesus? And there's a big blank. I don't know. You see, most people will say, I'm a good Christian. I go to church, I give my offering to God and some money to charity. And this is always, a lot of people say, I'm doing to be a good Christian. I'm doing my best to be a good Christian. Church, this is not what the Apostle Paul is reminding the Corinthian church. Paul is reminding them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that they believed and received. Friends, you can go to church all day long, like I said, all your life, but doesn't make you a followers 
or disciple of Jesus Christ. You can go to McDonald's all day long. That's a make your burger. <laughs> the teaching Paul is giving them is the foundation by which you and I stand. This teaching is the ground to hold fast to. Paul's declared that they have received the gospel, that they were to stand in the gospel, and they are saved through the gospel, and they were to hold fast to that gospel message that impact them day in and day out. 1 Corinthians 15 is an anchor point to your life, for your life. No matter how hard the winds of life blow, this is the point of your grip. Hold on to it. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the anchor for your soul and my soul. And this is the strength that picks you up off the ground that causes you to stand up. Your whole life is established on this message. And the Apostle Paul says that they past, you previously received the gospel. And they present, you presently are to stand in the gospel message. And their future, you are being saved. Amen? Are founded right here in the truth of the death and the resurrections of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul, but Paul has concern for the Corinthian church. He is concerned that they have believed in vain. He speaks of them starting so well in the gospel, but, they, but concerned that they would lose their grip, no longer standing in the hope and the death and the resurrections of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now the Apostle Paul begins to lay out element by element, about this gospel of which they are to stand. And you and I are to stand. That is why the second point is the evidence of the gospel. Historical fact. It happened. Church, if I ask you today, this morning, what does the gospel mean to you? What would you say to me? What is the gospel? Because if we go back in verse 3 to 7, it says, For I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after he had appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep in dead. Then appeared to James, which is the brother of Jesus, then to all the apostles. Can you see it, folks? As you can see, Paul was very careful laying out the basics of the gospel Element by element. That's why Paul says, For I handed down to you what I also received. 
as first importance. So let's talk about that. And Paul says that Christ died for our sin according to the Scriptures. That is, in accordance with the prophecies given to us in the Old Testament. And Rosemary just pointed out Isaiah 53. Just notice the first foundation by which we stand is repeated statement. It says, according, according, according to the Scripture. Paul's recounting the message of gospel reflect the fact that it is most important message, the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he has done for us. Rather than being a message primarily about us and how we can be saved, it is the Lord Jesus Christ's story which gives meaning to you and to me. Not our story that gives meaning to Jesus Christ. That's why Bonhoeffer says this. It says, it is not that God's help and presence must be proved in our life. Rather, God's presence and help had been demonstrated for us in the life of Jesus Christ. It is, in fact, more important for us to know what God did to Israel and in God's Son, Jesus Christ, than to discover what God intends for us today. The fact that Jesus Christ died is more important than the fact that I will die. And the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead is the sole ground of my hope that I too will be raised on the day of judgment. Our salvation is from outside ourselves. I find salvation not in my life story, but only in the story of Jesus Christ. Only those who allow themselves to be found in Jesus Christ, in the incarnation, the cross, and, the, and resurrection, are with God and with them. Wow. Wow. Church, the Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthian church that the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central event of his gospel according to the Scriptures. All of the events that happened to Jesus were foretold by the prophets and are found right here. I hope this is your love book. Yeah? Everything that happened was according to the plan of God. None of the gospel was left to chance. There is no accident. And Jesus has indicated that his followers should have known ahead of time based on the scriptures, that he, as the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would die and then be be, be vindicated by God the Father by raising him from the dead. That is why he said in Luke 18, Now he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all the things that have been written through the prophets about the Son of Man, will be accomplished. 
For he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be ridiculed, abused, spit upon, and after they have flogged him, they will kill him, and on the third day, he will rise. And then in Luke 24, he said, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then, I like this one. It says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Wow. Then he said to them, So it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Church, there is no doubt Jesus rose from the dead. According to the Scriptures, According to historical fact. That's why you and I are here today, right? Thank you. This is the gospel message, and this message changes everything. That's why Paul says in verse 2, you know, if you hold firmly to the word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. So church, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11 are not information points for you as a Christian. It is easy to treat Jesus as simply information. Yes, he, he died. Yes, he was buried and rose again. These are the things you and I know. Therefore, you have the gospel. But you don't have the gospel if this is all you have done. Hear me out. This information is supposed to change your life and my life for good. That's why Billy Graham says this, The gospel shows people their wounds and bestows on them love. It shows their bondage and supplies the hammer to knock away their chains. It shows them their nakedness and provides them the garments of purity. It shows them their poverty and pours into their lives the wealth of heaven. It shows them their sins and points them to the Savior. Amen. Church, I did ask you this question at the beginning of the message. Do you still remember when you first believed the gospel? Did the people around you saw and experience the change in your life? Your behavior starts to change for good. Your attitude toward other people start to change from being a negative person to a loving, compassionate person, from being a, a, a more, more tolerant and forgiving uh, toward others. Your offensive language turned into words of praise and encouragement, a life-giving. You began to have a genuine compassion for lost people, and you have this hunger and thirst for more of God. 
Church, are you this person I'm describing? If the people around you cannot see any change in your life, maybe you need to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself this question. Have I truly accepted and received Jesus into my life, into my heart as my Lord and Savior? You know, some of you know my testimony. I will never forget the day I heard the gospel preached. It touched the very core of my being. The day I realized I'm a sinner. The day I cannot save myself. And I realized I cannot be good in my own way. And I also realized my life is going nowhere without Jesus in my life. And I also realized that Jesus loved me by dying for my sin and offered me his forgiveness and eternal life with him forever in heaven. You know, on the day of February 14, 1982, I invited Jesus into my life. That was Valentine's Day. How good is that? To be my Lord and Savior. Just the very first time I felt this genuine love of God, entered into my heart, into my life. The day I realized I was forgiven by God the Father from all the wrongdoings, my sin in my life. I was blind, but now I see. I was a slave to sin, but now I am free. What about you, church? Have you experienced the power of the gospel in your life? And this is what the Apostle Paul is reminding the Corinthian church, that if they just focus on the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they would be likely to get along well with one another. Because the love of Christ will unite them. And those jealousy and rivalry will just disappear because love will reign in their midst. Because the gospel, the power of the gospel is demonstrated in the agape love of God the Father. This relentless love of God is without walls, without barriers. That's why the last point I want to share with you is this. The gospel is the power of our salvation. Very simple. This gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. As Rosemary mentioned a while ago, when the words speak, power, authority. It can change lives, Paul says. Let the Corinthians have to stand to this gospel's message. The question is, are you still standing on this gospel message? Or have you forgotten it? Have you gone through the motions of Christianity, just go to church and come back again? And it's not impacting you in a powerful way. This gospel has the power to change lives. Just imagine those 12 men Follow the Lord Jesus Christ, only to see him die. They lost all their hope, and only to see him rise from the dead. 
And those and these 12 men radically changed the world upside down. Is that an amen? Because of the power of the gospel. This gospel also changes you and me. You know what I like about Paul? He also mentioned about himself in verse 9 and 10. It says, for I am the least of the apostles. Not to be fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, you can be what you can be. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labor even more than all of them. Yet, Paul says, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. This gospel demonstrated its power by convincing Paul, convicting Paul, a devout Jewish man that took joy in persecuting Christians to instead becoming the greatest missionary of his day. Paul laid out the historicity of the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And he pointed out to actual people on his day. And today he's reminding us of that power. He was a doubter, but now he was defender of the faith. He turned from persecuting to proclaiming the power of the gospel. Church, I remember when I was 13 years old because I grew up in a family was so chaotic there is no peace. Like I said last time, my parents almost uh, have a fight conflict every week. And I grew up with no peace. And I start rebelling. And I tried to find another family and I joined a gang. I thought this is where my life will be good, but my life went spiral. And I saw myself living in darkness, full of misery, with nowhere to go, no purpose, and no meaning. But at the age of 17, God showed me that I was lost in my sin, that I needed a rescuer, a redeemer, and a savior. He showed me that I needed Jesus, that Jesus is the only answer. Can I tell you, folks, maybe today this is your first time and you're hearing this Jesus name and, and the, the power of his death and resurrection. And maybe you're asking, who is this Jesus? This Jesus is the God who came down to become human, who loves you and willing and died for your sin and my sin. And he would like to have a relationship with you today. Will you allow him is the question. That's why the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel 
because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's an invitation, folks. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Church, the gospel is God's message of hope. And Jesus says, and the gate of hell will not prevail against his church. It will persevere no matter what the situation. And throughout 2,000 years, millions of people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ and their life changed for good. You see, from this small group of dejected, rejected, ordinary men who lost their teacher, the gospel persevered. They found that Jesus was indeed alive. This is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. All right? Close your eyes. And I want you to imagine this is happening right now. All right? There's a knock at the door of the church just right there, knocking. And I say, come in. And I find that that person comes in is Jesus Christ. And he says to me, Don, I want to make an announcement. And Jesus says, today is the day that I'm calling my own to go with me to heaven. But I'm going to do it individually. And so Jesus goes along the first rows, and he calls people by their names and said, John, Andrew, Isaac, Sue, come with me. And he goes to the second row, he goes, pass, I don't know you. Because in Luke 13 says that he doesn't know them. Could you imagine being in the third and fourth row? And you wonder, will he pick me? If you don't know that he will pick you, you better do something about it today. And maybe you can relate to that person that I shared, thinking they all live their whole life thinking that they're going to go to heaven when they die but they don't know Jesus personally. If that's you, God's speaking to you, I just want to raise your hand and say, I want to make sure I'm going to heaven with Jesus. Is there one here that says, I want Jesus to invite into my life, into my heart? Anybody here? Just say, yes, Lord. I want to be sure. I don't want to be deceived by my religiosity. But I want to make sure if you come today, I will be with you in heaven. And if this is your, your Christian, but your love for God is diminishing, it becomes a duty rather than a joy of serving the Lord and not making an impact. And maybe today you say, Lord, I just want to rededicate my life to you, Jesus. And I don't want to take the gospel for granted in my life. If that's you, just say, Lord, 
here I am. I want you to be my priority in my life. Why don't we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord God, for your kindness and your goodness. Lord, you know the heart of your people. Even before we say things, you know what's in our heart. And I pray for those, who, Lord, who, who put their hands up, Lord, who in their heart they say, Lord, I want to be sure. And Lord, this is all they have to do is to pray, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your great love for me. I invite you to come into my heart, into my life. Thank you for forgiveness of my sin. I repent for my sin. Lord, make me the person you want me to be and lead me so that I can walk in obedience to you, Jesus. And if you say that prayer, you have invited Jesus into your life. Father, thank you for your kindness and for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Thank you, Caden.